opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, this is Karen speaking. I want to thank everybody for coming and hope you uh, enjoy the program. I am co-chair of the Sight and Sound Impaired Committee of the American Council of Blind, ACB. Um, before, this is Ibrahim speaking. Before we continue, I'd like to give out the CEU codes. I'm going to repeat this five-digit code twice, um, and then we can continue with the session. Uh, so the code is 27. Three one three. I'll repeat that again. That's two seven three one three. Uh, we can continue the session. I want to welcome you. Megan Conway is one of my committee members. She is the information and professional services director for Helen Keller National Center. Megan, I apologize if I didn't get that all correct, but uh, go ahead and take it away, Megan. Hi there, everyone. This is Megan Conway, and my uh, correct title is Director of Information Research and Professional Development at Helen Keller National Center. So you got the essence of it, Karen. Um, and I am pleased today to introduce one of my colleagues. Her name is Janae Alleman Goodman, and she is the older adult specialist at Helen Keller National Center. And um, Janae is going to speak, be speaking to you today about aging into dual sensory loss. Janae herself is deafblind. She's culturally deaf and is um, using ASL to communicate uh, with interpreters. Uh, she also has low vision. Janae has her degree in school counseling from Gallaudet University, her master's degree. She has worked as a school counselor at the Louisiana School for the Deaf as a vocational rehabilitation services counselor for the state of North Carolina. She has been involved in advocacy for um, families in the Army. And she also was the vice president and president, respectively, of the American Association of the Deaf Blind. In her current role, she provides advocacy, information, and direct training for older adults, which we define as age 55 and better, who are deafblind or have dual sensory loss. Uh, she'll be describing more about some of the work that she does, and in particular, a program called the Confident Living Program that we run at Helen Keller National Center. I am very pleased to introduce her today. And Janae, I'm going to let you go ahead. Hello, everyone. This is Janae. I'm so excited to be here today. 
We will be talking about aging with dual sensory loss. So as we know now, adults are becoming more and more older and living older, and they are experiencing more struggles with independent living, such as in their own home, looking at medicine bottles. And as I've been listening to ACB's topics of those with vision loss, my presentation itself is going to only include part of information about vision loss, but also about hearing loss. I do want to mention, though, that those older adults experience both and an increase in hearing loss. And so I will expound upon those topics with that progression. We recognize um, that it is a loss itself, that we do feel a sensory loss may not be the appropriate title, um, but you would want to go to a medical doctor, such as an audiologist, to have that investigated. You will, for example, in with an audiologist, you will experience a hearing test. They will put you in a soundproof booth and have a beeps, a series of beeps that you will listen to. That's the first step. Um, they will test your recognition and of sounds and the audiologist will mark that on the audiogram. They will also test your speech recognition scores in that assessment. Discrimination. Speech discrimination scores at that time. And there are three different types of hearing loss itself. The first one is sensory neural hearing loss. That's the most common type of hearing loss. And that's inner ear hearing loss. Uh, that may deal with the cochlea and how the sound moves from the ear into the brain and how the speech is received. The second type of loss is conductive hearing loss. And that is something in the middle ear. You know, it may deal with the bone structure or something prevents the mechanism of hearing working. Maybe like wax buildup is blocking that the channel or blocking the vibrations. And that takes us to the third type of hearing loss, which is a mixed hearing loss. And that is a condition which includes both sensory neural hearing loss and conductive hearing loss as well. So when we talk about hearing loss and the hearing test itself, after you have that, you will sit down with them and you, the audiologist, and you will discuss the degree of loss. And also you will talk about the decibels of hearing loss. So on the audiogram, you have varying levels, progressive levels, 20 to 120 decibels is the volume range. And, and based on the severity of the loss, but it's con also connected with which, where the gap is on the audiogram. 
You also can have two different tests based on your right ear or your left ear. They can hear differently. And it includes the speech recognition. They will test your right ear alone, and then they can test your right ear aided with a hearing aid or amplification. That is a portion of the test. And they will see um, the different frequencies that you can hear best at for, for speech production or for where you can receive information auditorily. This will also tell you how loud um, or how soft sp speech needs to be. It will tell you if hearing aids will help you in this situation. It may even tell you if you're a candidate for a cochlear implant, if your hearing loss is progressive and you may lose more throughout as you age. And it also will talk about how medicine can impact hearing loss and if that will, will change. This is Rebecca. The interpreters are going to change now. So these are all things that are important for you to know. And the things that you can ask to in order to help your lives become fuller and have a better quality of life. The technology these days is really quite something. So having hearing loss does not have to be the beginning of the horrible things. Actually, it can really be treated and treated well. So once you speak with the doctor about your hearing loss and you start thinking about how you want to approach it and how you'd like to communicate with people, and I have a few ideas about how you could communicate and talk with the people in your life and tell them, hey, listen, here are some things that I can do well and hear well, and here are some things I cannot. And here are some ways and communication tips with which to speak with me best. When you become yourself a self-advocate, you can really talk with the people who you speak with on a regular basis. And you can kind of say, listen, here are some of the ways you can speak with me. You can say, please, you know, sit with me and maybe face your better ear towards that person. You can ask the person to speak clearly and in a normal tone of voice. You could say, please, you don't need to yell. Please just speak regularly. And ask the people to not speak so fast. And also sometimes to remember that because we're not only depending on hearing, we're also depending on speech reading. It sometimes takes a minute longer for comprehension and for response. And perhaps when you talk with me, please make sure I'm looking at you. Please make sure I have you have my attention before you just begin speaking. Also keep your hands away from your mouth. Don't eat and chew, chew gum, hard candies while we're speaking, and really try to eliminate, eliminate excessive background noise. If someone is difficult to understand, asking them to repeat, or maybe use a different word instead of the word that they had used originally. Also, it's important that someone not yell room to room, that they're in the same room. And these are things you can ask of the people with whom you communicate. And please, once we're in an open space and there's lots going on, it makes it more difficult to communicate. And as you may or may not know, someone with a hearing loss may not be aware of the, be aware of the volume of their speech. So you can ask someone, listen, if I speak too loudly, please let me know. I mean, 
kindly, of course, and then I can moderate my speech level. If there's um, auditory feedback going on that I don't know about happening in another room or that might impact other people in the room, let me know about that. So those are a few ideas and the concept of communication tips and how you can speak with people about how to communicate. Some other ideas include using a voice or digital recorder. Sometimes people with hearing loss can miss a bunch of information. If they record it and listen to it later, they're able to understand it more completely. So another idea is to leave voicemails with important information. Raise hand, Deborah Armstrong, raise hand, close. Uh, leave your, and that's something you can do for yourself as a reminder. So now moving on to technology and how we can keep safe at home. You know, these days, technology is just amazing. Back in the day, there was so much equipment and so many devices that would vibrate and attach different lights around the house. But these days, smart devices are all over the place. For me personally, I use, I have smart home. I have everything connected to my phone so I can see who is contacting me. I have an Apple Watch. So if someone is ringing my doorbell, it comes up on my watch. It alerts me and then I know who's at the door, that the door is ringing and who is there. I also have Google Nest and Alexa. I mean, there are so many things out there. You know, there's a zillion different devices of, in the smart category that can really assist people with hearing loss. You know, basically every system has amplifiers. But so sometimes that's just an easy thing to use. And sometimes that might just help. That might be what you can use. Or it can connect to the device in your ear, like a hearing aid. So older adults now, the point is, is that perhaps, and as opposed to generations past, feel awkward or more comfortable with technology. But there is one company really wonderful. And that company is Serrano Innovations. Serene, excuse me, Serene. And they have um, alerting systems and they have, they have vibration systems that you can wear on yourself and also amplifiers as well. If you feel like modern technology is a bit too much to contend with, that, that connects with phones um, and various different devices. So you can look into that and see what feels best for you, depending on what your expertise is and what your comfort, comfort is with using technology. Some other things that I'd like to mention with people, especially who have dual sensory of hearing and vision loss, often people feel like um, need to have emergency system in place in case of crisis, in case of um, tornado or just fire or something. Um, need to have backup devices at the ready, maybe a magnifying glass. I mean, need to have your pack a to-go bag, for example. Also to have cards printed out or to handwrite a card, because if the battery in your hearing aid dies, perhaps, you need to have a way to communicate. So to have some simple cards that say pre-printed, hi, I have a hearing loss, I need some help. And having these cards printed ready to go will make this much easier to deal with in the moment. I'd like to talk a little about coping tips. How you can manage having dual sensory loss. 
the transition is always tough. It's always going to be a journey to get through it, to get appointments, to get hearing aids, perhaps, or if a cochlear implant is going to be the right thing for you, or how do I change my home? How do I interact with my partner? Maybe everybody feels upset or you feel like responsible for what's going on and feel terrible, or maybe the children are impacted or other people who are involved in your life feel an impact from these loss. It's important, very important for the person who lives with you to really go see a counselor for caretaking or get support. Every state in this country has a department on aging. They have amazing resources, often connected to caretaking, caregiving. So we recommend that you contact them to get support and find out how they can get support as well. And also talk with somebody who has as someone who does myself have a sense, dual sensory loss, before you start using technology, maybe you felt like, oh, you know what? I can take care of it. It's not a big deal. But for me, it was very important for me to establish my home and my place. And I realized also, as many of us do, there was moments of depression or anxiety. And it's important to talk with a mental health counselor or your doctor because it's going to cause you to go through a grieving cycle. Maybe you're going to need help, you know, monitoring that and going through and understanding what that grief is, how those losses cause grief. Grief is really understandable. It's a very, it is a common response and one that can be worked through. One moment for interpreter switch, please. Seems like we are almost out of time. Um, and I want to save a little bit of time for questions, but I work at the Helen Keller National Center, and I am involved with working with the program called the CLP. And the CLP is a fabulous program that we have. Uh, we utilize peer mentors in this program. It's the Confident Living Program. And so we have a social aspect because sometimes you feel isolation during that time. Um, and we want you to know that others are out there in the same situation. You may be back home and feel like you're the only one going through a vision loss and a hearing loss. But uh, we have groups of five to eight people who come and who socialize with one another. They learn from one another. They share their stories. Really, it's a time of commonality that they can discuss. We do have four areas of focus in the Confident Living Program. Um, the first is for groups. And in those groups, we discuss vision loss at its fullest from and it's really a varying range from those who are completely blind to those who have low vision. Uh, and then we also discuss hearing loss and those who are in the deaf community and who grew up signing, but now may be experiencing hearing loss. So in the four areas we cover, the first one is communication. 
We um, have communication modalities. We discuss what they need to be, how to, for example, use tactile sign language uh, from that range all the way to how to use an FM system. We, how to communicate with your spouses or your children as your hearing loss progresses and how to use assistive technology in that. We demonstrate different types of technology that may be able to help the, uh, those who are aging. And we also look at the different levels of hearing loss to try to provide appropriate equipment that would match those needs and allow people to live independently. And the next portion is independent living. We cover um, assistive technology and we took also alternative ways of cooking living within the house, adapting um, the clothing, finding colors, adaptive living. And then we also, for like uh, orthopedic impairments, if they have to use a walker or if the person needs those types of adaptations, we um, talk about things such as a human guide and how to use, utilize that as a resource. Um, we also talk about. We have an elder attorney that comes elder, in as well. Yes. Attorney. Uh, elder law and discuss the area of lawyer and uh, various uh, discussions under that topic. We want you to have as much resource and information to as possible um, and to take back to your family and your children and it's really I can't say it enough it's a wonderful program um, we have it in September there is a group um, there that we have and that's CLP so first there is a virtual component that we utilize zoom with you and then you may have one in your state also and then also we do have one in new york at the helen keller national center in person so there are three options uh, for participating in a competent living program and i i think that's uh, about all with my portion of my presentation here so if i will open open it up then deborah armstrong Thank you. So I think um, my hearing is getting worse and I believe it is time for a new pair of hearing aids. However, one of my concerns is that every audiologist I've worked with before is a hearing aid salesperson. Is there any way I can find an audiologist who is not trying to sell me hearing aids who can do an independent evaluation and give me some advice that doesn't you know, that has my best interest at heart rather than their commission is their top priority. Thank you. I'm back on mute. This is Janae speaking. That's a very good question. That is definitely a hot topic in the audiology world, being a salesperson. Um, it's best to go to an autolaryngologist. 
a medical doctor they will have their your best interest in there and they will be able to meet the needs of what type of hearing aid you need um, if you decide for yourself to go to like a, an audiologist maybe who is that salesman they may be based on a commission or something so you would uh, be able to compare even and get a second opinion uh, does that help answer your question it does thank you beth hi thank you very much for the presentation i'm enjoying it i have sensory neural hearing loss almost complete hearing loss on the left side I know that you are not a medical doctor, Janae, but I am wondering if you have any idea if I have a greater probability of losing hearing on the right side, which is now fine. Thank you very much. Yes, this is Janae speaking. Uh, you're right. I am not a medical doctor, but with sensory neural hearing loss. Um, and I've had experience working with a lot of deaf and hard of hearing caseloads, uh, reading a lot of audiograms and trying to interpret those. Sensory nearing loss, sensory neural hearing loss has many different causes. It could be from genetics or it could be from too much sound exposure with environmental virus. virus. Oh, a virus. Oh, yes, yes. Yes. So maybe um, a medical reaction may have caused some of that as well. So there's no definite answer, definite answer for what causes sensory neural hearing loss. Um, but and we don't know, too, if it would affect your right side as well. So there's no probability that it that it would be no known probability that that I would also lose hearing on the right. It's just a, it's just luck of the draw. Yeah, there's no clue. You don't know when you're talking about sensory neural hearing loss. Okay, thank you. And I didn't mean to interrupt you. What other causes are there besides virus? Um, yes, okay. So noise exposure was one. And then genetics also. There is a genetics component and viruses or diseases, um, a medical aspect. Um, but really, you, you don't know exactly. You can have kind of an idea, but you never know exactly what all the factors are, what the causes are, you know, it, just based on the person's unique reasons. Thank once you. again, Janae, Janae is saying, once again, it's important to just check with your audiologist, so please don't quote me. Thank you. Ibrahim speaking. Next up on deck, we have Scott Marshall. Thank you very much. Uh, I wonder whether HKNC is able to provide advice about local audiologists that have experience with people facing dual sensory loss. I uh, consulted with an audiology audiologist who received her PhD from Gallaudet here in Washington, but she really had very limited knowledge about how to adjust a hearing aid 
to meet my needs of being able to hear, for example, background noises, traffic noises, and so forth. Do you have any advice on this subject? Thank you. So if I understand your question directly, you want to know um, from HKNC advice about a local Audi? Are you saying that you would like someone to come from HKNC? No. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering whether or not you maintain perhaps a directory of audiologists who have experience, local audiologists who have experience uh, with dual hearing loss, given my uh, unfortunate experience with the uh, professional that I did. Oh, I get it. I get it now. I understand what you're saying. So that's a really good question, and I'm not a real uh, aware of a directory per se. Um, but at HKNC, we do have consultation there uh, with an audiologist, uh, so they can, maybe can work with your local. Um, you know, if you're 55 and older, your audiologist can reach out to me, and then maybe we could find. Uh, and connect somewhere back in your local area. Okay, because uh, I know others have faced this similar situation, trying to find a professional who has the skills necessary to be most helpful uh, in terms of adjusting uh, hearing aids. Uh, thank you. This, um, this is Megan Conway. May I interrupt Janae for a moment? Sure, sure. So, um, so this is Megan, and I'm um, hard of hearing and blind. And so I just wanted to answer a couple of, um, clarify on a couple of these, the questions that I've heard, um, because I have a lot of experience as a hearing aid user, someone who has, um, lost, actually my whole life, had dual sensory loss. Um, so in response to... Um, the question about the audiologists who have experience with people with vision loss. Um, again, as Janae said, we do have an audiologist on staff at HTNC who actually is going to be presenting this afternoon after this, this session. Um, her name is Carol, and she's going to be talking about uh, issues around hearing aids. Um, but it would be well worth listening to her presentation and she may have some, you know, be able to answer some of that. Um, we do, when, when people come to HTNC, one service that we provide is working with Carol around finding the best options um, for you as someone who has both hearing and vision loss. Um, but I would say, you know, my own experience, I understand what you mean. One thing I've had to do is, is, I guess, be my own advocate in a lot of ways and, and do research and have an understanding about, um, I'll, I'll give an example. One ex a problem that I have when I'm doing street crossing is that a lot of the modern hearing aids have, um, they're set so that when you're in a noisy environment, yes. they focus, right? They're they become directional. And the intention is that you're able to hear speech. Like they're always mostly the hearing aids are like in the hearing aid brain. It wants to focus on speech and, and get rid of background noise. 
So a challenge that I had was I'd want to cross the street. In that case, I want to have all the sound around me, right? Because I want to know where all the different traffic is coming. So, you know, I know that. So I told my audiologist, you know, you need to, when the hearing aid encounters traffic noise, I don't want it to become directional. I want it to stay with the surround sound. So she was able to make that adjustment. Um, So um, for me, that's one thing I do is just, you know, kind of being aware of all of those different sort of settings yourself can be helpful. Um, I would also say that, you know, sometimes um, I've had more luck sometimes working and this kind of um, also strays into one of the other um, I know someone had a question. I can't remember what the previous question was, but I was thinking, um, oh, I know the question about finding people who are not just trying to sell you a certain kind of hearing aid. Um, so I've had more luck sometimes working with um, uni- at, like universities that have um, audiology programs. Often they'll have where maybe at universities that have a strong um, hearing uh, it's otolaryngology <laughs> department, right? A department um, that trains um, ENTs and other medical professionals in hearing loss. Um, sometimes they will also have an audiology department and work together. So sometimes I've had a little better luck in going to those clinics um, where I'm able to see both a, a hearing medical specialist and then they refer me to their audiology department would generally tend to be a little less focused on selling you one particular brand of hearing aid. Um, again, it's, it, it really varies. Um, I've also found that seeing someone who has a doctorate in audiology, so that's an AUD, a lot of the time they will be, and, and they can, often they can sell here, they will sell hearing aids, but in general, they tend to, to also provide um, some treatment to patients, for example, who have balance problems or who have cochlear implants. So I've had a little better luck when the audiologist also has their doctorate in audiology and finding people that are a little more willing to work with me as a person with low vision, um, more open to finding um, the right technology that's going to meet my needs. So I kind of wanted to jump in on all of those points I'm listening to this conversation. And with that, I'll throw it uh, the hat back in the ring for uh, further questions with Janae. Well, thank you. Okay, this is Janae. Thank you so much. That's wonderful, Megan Conway. I really appreciate your participation and you joining us, jumping in. Um, is there anyone else? Next up, we have Donna Browning. So, um, a few months ago, I had what they called sudden and complete hearing loss. Thank goodness it didn't stay complete. It took a while for it to come back not all of it came back but it uh, sort of happened again when I got uh, sick with a really bad um, infection with my sinuses I lost a lot of hearing again I've also had a lot of issues with my ears feeling like they're full they're saying there's nothing there to make it feel like that but I want to know if you've seen any 
a lot of people have had this happen, this sudden hearing loss. And um, if, if they've had it get better or if it continues to get worse. Hi, this is Janae responding. I'm not exactly sure how to respond to your question. I was born deaf. But is there anyone else who has experience with sudden hearing loss that could speak to her question? So um, Megan is going to jump in again because I can't help myself. <laughs> um, I, I want to say around the questions, I know there's, a, there's been some different questions about medical issues and, you know, is something um, progressive or is it going to affect my other ear if it affects this ear? And, and honestly, the best person to talk to is a medical doctor um, because as Janae said, there are many different reasons for hearing loss. It's individual. Um, and every for every person, there's a different um, trajectory. And, you know, sometimes, like for myself, I was born with a mild hearing loss. In my late teens, it became profound, so very, very severe. I had some surgery. It got a little better. It's going down again. Um, that's been my my journey, but it's very individual to my hearing loss. And there's really, really a medical doctor. Um, you know, if you do have hearing loss or suspect that you um, that you do, your first stop is with um, with a medical doctor, and um, and that's just extraordinarily important because they're you know, and and then they will the first thing that they will do is really diagnose what is causing the hearing loss and what is the, you know, potential, um, what is that going to look like for you? Even then, just like with vision loss, you know, I think many of us have probably, myself included, experienced changes in my vision loss as I've gotten older. I've always been legally blind. Um, got cataracts, uh, other other issues as I've gotten older. And there's no like answer necessarily to some of the my questions about, you know, is this going to be worse or why is this happening? Um, however, uh, again, really the best, um, it's extremely important to consult with, um, with a doctor who specializes in um, even first with your family physician to get a referral to a doctor who specializes in, in hearing. This is Karen. Thank you for that, Megan. Um, next question. This is Ibrahim speaking. Next up, we have Pamela. Yeah, I am legally blind. I'm deaf in my left ear and have some hearing loss in my right ear. I do wear a hearing aid in my right ear. My question is, are there any tricks to being able to locate sound uh, when you ha are deaf in one ear? For example, when I'm crossing a street, I can't hear the direction of the traffic. Or when somebody calls me in a building or, or parking lot or whatever, I cannot locate where the sound is coming from. This is Janae. Uh, once again, I think maybe, Megan, you might have some good responses to that. Well, par part of it, you know, actually, again, um, 
this is actually where I would say um, sometimes with um, working with an audiologist on your hearing aids and adjusting, you know, the hearing aid that you have so that it, again, it picks up as much sound around you, um, turning your head, turning your body. Um, it can be beneficial to work with a mobility specialist, uh, an O&M specialist on something like this. And of course, the next thing is, well, a lot of mobility specialists don't have experience working with people with hearing loss, which of course is true. Um, depending on where you live though, there may be um, a specialist who does have experience working with people with hearing loss. Um, so sometimes I found that um, to, to be helpful um, working in terms of working with both the audiologist and the um, mobility specialist. Uh, I know, for example, Guide Dogs for the Blind in San Rafael, California, has ha now has an audiologist who works with a lot of their clients because they've recognized this as a significant issue. You know, mobility when you know people are getting older and and getting hearing loss, and so I think that increasingly there is recognition that you know, in terms of mobility, we need to be thinking. You know, mobility specialists and audiologists. There needs to be some collaboration there. Um, I don't know if anybody else has particular tips. I personally have some hearing in both my ears. Uh, again, I know that that working with the hearing aid that I have is helpful. Um, I have to turn my body because I'm blind in my left eye and have a little bit of vision to my right. So I have to do a lot of, when I'm at a street crossing, a lot of turning of my body to make sure that I'm I'm getting everything. Um, but does anybody else in the audience have have um, who might be deaf in one ear have any tips? We have um, Lori Shaft with a raised hand. Thank you. I would just like to say this may be another case where Dr. Carroll's presentation later on today would be very beneficial to listen to. Um, I'm sure in addition to over-the-counter hearing aids that she would um you know be able to maybe talk about some other aspects of hearing loss and ways to cope with situations thank you this is ibrahim speaking we do have one raised hand okay thank you so much yeah this is tim <clears throat> now i wasn't going to mention anything about this um uh, you know i've got um i've got a reverse hearing uh, loss and uh, I've been to many other doctors um, and uh, you know I've read where hearing aids are made with certain protocols with people that have the normal slope hearing loss in the in the higher frequencies minor in the lower frequencies and I've spent a lot of money on expensive hearing aids and the audiologist or the doctor just can't get it right and I'm wondering, is there, I know they don't make any hearing aids now that uh, can really be adequately adjusted for reverse slope sufferers, but is there any, any hope in the future that, you know, I've heard that only 3,033 million have what I've got. And I, I'm a social guy, but I find all my interactions now are on Zoom because I can't hear in face-to-face -face communication, Bible studies or whatnot. I'm just wondering, is, is there any hope that in, at some point 
reverse slope is going to be um, recognized as something that Sir, needs to be gonna, worked out. This is Karen. I'm going mm -hmm. to cut you off. You might want to uh, tune in to the second program. I think that may be able to better help your, uh, better answer your question. Janae, if you would like to respond, go ahead. No, I'm, I, I guess I'm repeating myself, but once again, right, a medical doctor will be able to identify that better. And I realize that you have gone to people, but talking with specialists is going to be the answer, but I'm afraid I have nothing else to add to that. Thank you. Okay, this is Janae speaking. Thank you so very much for joining in my presentation this afternoon. I've enjoyed this discussion as well. Thank you all for joining us and have a great afternoon. If you could just give the four components of the Confident Living Program. Oh, the four areas, yes. Communication, assistive technology, independent living, and then orientation and mobility. All right. Thank you. This is Karen. Are there any more questions? Um, this is Ibrahim. We do have two uh, raised hands, but I think that's on the. Um, oh, sorry. Okay, I'm Linda Faust. I don't know. Somebody else got it wrong in another Zoom thing uh, in ACB. But okay, so I have high um, and middle ear hearing loss, and uh, I have low partial sight. And well, a couple things I wanted to ask. Or, or say, um, I can relate to the person that said he'd rather do Zoom than be in crowd because, uh, I don't know if it's because of background noise, but I, one of the reasons that I don't go to crowded situations is, like, it's just so noisy that I, I just can't deal with it. I can't even uh, hear voiceover read the menu uh, choices that I marked, and um, I hate that kind of isolation. Um, uh, and the other thing is, does Helen Keller, does, uh, does the agency have any uh, way, any way thing that they could do to make hearing aid apps like uh, the Thrive app from my Autobell, Autobell hearing aids more accessible to people that are visually impaired? Because it seems like I have to be the guinea pig to try to educate them on it, and they can only do so much, and I have to do workarounds a lot of times for things. Okay, this is Janae again. Um, I was thinking about, it's a wonderful world with technology here, and Helen Keller has a team that's very involved with assistive technology especially in the regards to vision loss and hearing loss. Uh, one gentleman himself, Scott Dabbert, is a brilliant uh, person who is blind with hearing loss. And I, I mean, he just knows everything. He's a wonderful person to connect with. He may be a great resource. And that's Scott Dabbert. D-A-V-E-R-T. Um, I think you may be able to contact uh, community at acb.org to get uh, contact information. This is Ibrahim. Next up, we have Vicky. I am 
have been legally blind all my life, but I've lost most of my vision. Plus, in the last year, I've lost a lot of hearing. So, unfortunately, uh, like Scott, I went to one of those salesmen hearing aids, spent $8,000, and they didn't know how to help me after that. Um, my problem is when I go into a large crowd, um, and I do have a few adjustments on my hearing aid, it's still sound all around. And particularly when I'm out in traffic, it's sound all around. And, um, you know, I haven't made much progress. And my husband suggested in conversations that there are these microphones that you can, I guess, pair with, I don't know if it's your phone or whatever, that in concert with the hearing aids, if you're in a group, you can put it on a table and it might help. Do you know anything about anything like that? Yes, Janelle. We have a plethora of adaptive technologies and FM systems that you can use uh, for environmental location. Um, you can focus on uh, a microphone that you pass uh, to each person when they're speaking. Um, and you can have also a more expensive or a greater type system that's called a loop system as well. Yes, it's a, a loop system that goes around your neck that works with your hearing aids. Megan has a, a comment to add. I was thinking also that maybe uh, in the next presentation with Carol, she's going to be more knowledgeable on what works with the hearing aids, like the FM systems, too. Yeah, so this is Megan. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. So I personally use, um, I have Phonak hearing aids, and I use what's called a Roger pen. Um, a lot of hearing aid companies now do have assistive listening devices as well. Um, so that's the general term is assistive listening device. Um, FM is a particular uh, way that the device transmits information through radio waves. So you'll hear that term. Um, there's also infrared systems. But there's a broader category of assistive listening devices that can help you in situations where there's noise, can help you um, connect to the television, to um, computer audios, et cetera. And it's a whole, um, I'm thinking actually for our, we might want to put together some kind of a, a seminar to the SASE committee around specifically around assistive listening devices, because they are extraordinarily helpful, particularly when you have vision loss and you're depending on auditory um, you know, things like listening to your voiceover or jaws or so forth also. Um, so, you know, if you even just Google assistive listening device, um, you might come up with some different things. Again, I'm going to say working with an audiologist, if you find the right one, um, is really extremely helpful because there's lots of different kinds of devices and you do have to make sure that they are compatible with your particular hearing aids. With that, I think we're going to have to let Abraham give the uh, closing CEU code, please. Okay, this is Ibrahim speaking. The closing CEU codes, um, I'm going to repeat them twice. They are 818 
nine. For the second time, it's eight one eight eight nine. Okay. Thank you very much, and thank you for coming. Our next program will be at two thirty.